I love you. I fell into a goblet of fire. I went down, down, down. <laughs> and the names went higher. Welcome back, everybody. We're green and faceless on the couch. I'm the green traveler from Gorsh. And I am the facelessly owned uh, connoisseur of all spuds. Uh, they're all tasty and wonderful and... Uh, oh, I am trying, you know, I, I'm cutting back, and I cut them out for a while, and, uh, well, we're here now, and it's just hard <laughs> to say no. But thanks for watching, Couch Potatoes. Thanks for listening. The continuity of your diet's no longer making sense to me. I can't keep it in my head. <laughs> uh, I, no, I don't know not. either. Because of our recording schedule, I have no idea. But... <laughs> I just think that it represents that how hard it is to stay on a consistent diet. With meditation and proper vigilance of the mind, <laughs> nothing is difficult. Well, it'd be a lot easier if potatoes didn't look so tasty. They don't. They're dirty. They look delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are. We're back again at the Harry Potter playlist with the uh, fourth film. In the eight film movie universe, seven book uh-huh. novel universe, uh, the Goblet of Fire. Now I remember. The Goblet of Fire. I remember as a kid, this was like the one movie. I mean, I mean, we've talked about it many times too in the past few yeah. years. When, when looking back, it's the one that we never liked. I did not like it at the theater. Yeah. No, not at all. And it's just I don't. I don't know. For me, it was like as a kid, it's so condensed. This is the one film where the, con- right. the condensation. The condensation, I don't know, where, where <laughs> the condensing of the of the book to to make the movie leaves out so many subplots that I found wholly enjoyable that it right. just gets sad. It, it's just kind of it starts making the movie yeah. universe just feel very fragile. Yeah, yeah. Um. So from my perspective, uh, I had only just started reading the book and put it down, and eventually the movie came out, and I went to see it. And I was disappointed, too. Like, I didn't feel like it was a very good follow-up to The Prisoner of Azkaban. And then, also, like, I knew that was a thick book. Yeah. And it just seemed like there wasn't... There was something missing from this film when when I watched it way back oh, when. Oh, man, is there. Uh, I don't know what it was. I'm sure you could tell me. Um, but that being said, and I feel like you're kind of going to the same track here. Mm. On this rewatch, it did seem like a much more confident film than than what I recall. Yeah, it is. It is definitely more enjoyable than I remember it being. I also recently rewatched this like last year because yeah. uh, I was reading the Harry Potter books and I got like to the, I got through the third one, and this is probably my like fifteenth run through of the Harry Potter books. So I picked up the I picked up the Goblet of Fire, and I just thought to myself, you know what? I own the movies, and it'll probably be easier <laughs> that way. And so I just rewatched Goblet of Fire, and then I stopped there. I didn't even go on further. <laughs> I don't know why. I just watched the Goblet of Fire, and I'm like, I'm all right. I don't need to keep reading on these anymore. And I just moved on to the next book. But uh, but yeah, the Goblet, the, the this is our our third director now. Uh, Alfonso yeah. Cuarón only did the Prisoner of Azkaban. He, you know, I think he only wanted to do one film. I don't think he wanted to continue on. So he he dropped out and Mike Newell came in. Uh, I don't really know much 
about Mike Newell, honestly. No. Still written not, by not Steve Close though. He's still, you know, he's still the main writer of everything. Uh, I bet there was some stuff that was cut from that original screenplay. I I guarantee it. I, I'm yeah. sure there's more of this movie out there. I don't know if it's filmed, but there's definitely more of of this script out there. I would hope. I yeah, because they, they leave out they leave out a lot. They leave, uh, you know, in regards to characters. Hell, just jumping on into it, it opens up without Dursleys. This is the first film where we don't have a Dursley yeah. residence introduction. Uh, I mean, you, you don't even start off with Harry Potter characters. You start off with this mumbling old caretaker guy who we mentioned that when you picked up the book, you were reading the first chapter and then you just put it down because you just couldn't get into it. And I said right. the reason is, is because that first chapter isn't a Harry Potter chapter. It's about that mumbling old caretaker who's just, you know, he takes care of the Riddle residents and right. for all those all those well maybe it's not the riddle residence i don't know it is where our villain is taking residence yeah uh, and, I, I, and i'm just gonna say up, yeah. for, up front too i don't think we should worry about putting up spoiler walls or anything it's harry fucking potter sure if you haven't yeah. seen it and if you're confused yeah. and you don't want anything spoiled tread lightly or just you know go watch it and then come back and listen to us but sure it's harry potter sure. it's so popular it's... So that you should probably know it by now if you don't <laughs> Also, what really surprised me when I was looking, like, when I pulled up the cast list and shit, is that this was over 15 years ago. Yeah, this, movie came, yeah, this movie came out in 2005. This is 15 years old. This is fucking crazy. That's blowing yeah. my mind. <laughs> well, it's, it's crazy to think about, too, because, you know, people always talk about how the characters age so much. You know, it's like it becomes, you know, it doesn't, yeah. after a while, they no longer feel like kids and you're like that's right here is where i would say they no longer feel like kids they definitely feel like right they're seniors Teenagers in high school at this point yeah and so it feels like they're 17 or 18 right now which i think they might have been at the time playing 14 year olds yeah right right it's weird but this is like the point where it, that disconnect starts to happen with their with their age and right. you know i would honestly say that I don't know. There's nothing you could have done about it. They're going to age, no. and they got these movies out super fast. Like, this is only, like, a year or two after Prisoner of Azkaban. Right. You know, I, right. I recently read an article that Rupert Grint, who plays Ronald Weasley, he felt so contained. It, it was kind of like a prison sentence being part of this contract. Because it's just like, oh, as an man. actor... Yeah, it is, it's sad. It, I mean, as an actor, you want to do other roles. You want to express yourself right, and your abilities. And then as... You know, as a kid in Harry Potter, you're just kind of stuck for your your growth phase for, you know, a solid 10 years of your acting career just doing one uh, character. So it's like I, I can understand well, why he kind of spun out from the acting It's a, a hell bit. of a hell of a resume builder. I mean, you know, yeah, uh, both both Daniel and Emma, they used it to their advantage for yeah. sure uh, coming out of it. But and, you know, he is he's in some stuff now. Uh, that yeah. I haven't seen. Yeah, there is one movie that he was in that I I do recall seeing. Uh, that was very shortly after all this was done, but I can't recall what it was. It was kind of kind of a dry comedy drama kind of thing. I can't remember what it was called though. I mean, I definitely want to see more of him. Uh, specifically, I want to see more of him in the Doctor Who universe because I still think he would make a very funny Doctor. I would love it. Yeah, he um, would be hilarious as the Doctor. Speaking of which, when the you know the the Muggle caretaker we're talking about at the beginning of the film, 
He looks out his window and sees lights on in the manner that he's taken care of. He walks over there and he discovers Doctor Who himself with Voldemort and with uh, Peter Pettigrew, um, David yep. Tennant. David Tennant finally comes into the Harry Potter universe. Very he small sure does. Uh, such a fabulous actor. No, he's the main character. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish he was. Oh man, David Tennant as Harry Potter, that'd be beautiful. Uh, but That would be something. Also, I, I did just notice this too when watching this film. You know, David Tennant enters the Harry Potter universe and they immediately have bigger on the inside technology. <laughs> like, am I right? I don't think other movies had, like, you know, tents that you can walk inside and it's bigger on the inside. Like, no, I don't think so. They don't. They didn't. And you know what? I almost expected Harry when he said, I love magic. I almost expected him to say, it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> but, yeah. That's so fucking great. <laughs> oh, I would have fucking died if he did that. Uh, that's hilarious though good observation and they do use it a couple of times yeah. in this in this particular movie it's funny i i didn't think of that <laughs> yeah i just i just thought about it when i was watching i was like man it's bigger on the inside and i was like wait a second <laughs> you get a viewpoint from this muggle caretaker who doesn't know anything about the harry potter universe you you learn that voldemort is active he is still around yeah. and that he has servants now. He has followers, people who are loyal to him, taking care of him while he is weak. And, and uh, you don't get to see right. his body in that scene, but while he's weakened. Yeah, he's very diminished. He's very clearly diminished. And he's got a, he's got such a creepy voice. It's so good. Uh, a voice yeah. by, by Ray Fiennes. He'll take body later, but... It, it, we finally got a, a casting, a, a solid just casting decision for who's going to play Voldemort. You know, no more. Yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah, no more CGI heads on the back of people or, or just a young version of him. We got a we got a real life actor that we finally just cast it for the fourth movie. <laughs> it took us that long. I don't know why they hey. didn't just stay with whoever the the Voldemort was on the back of Quarrels. Yeah, he was perfectly fine, but I I don't know if if that cgi image was modeled after the actor that was voicing it or not that could have been a thing yeah. maybe maybe the act they chose the actor because of voice uh, but on a physicality level they they weren't into it or maybe he just wasn't available it was uh, quite quite a few years later honestly yeah. maybe i'm not sure but i do i do love ray fines as yeah i do more. yeah i wouldn't have had any other way yeah I, lo I, I mean, he's just a fun actor, but we'll get to him near the end. For now, you just learn from the villains that some shit's going to happen this year at Hogwarts. They have a plan. It is. Uh, it apparently involves Harry Potter in some way. It just sets up that shit's going to go down this year. I mean, it's gone down every year, but this time it's real <laughs> shit. This time it's real shit. People going to die this year, goddammit. And then that's where we uh we yeah. we get we cut out the Dursleys, we say fuck them, and we go straight to a Quidditch match. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this is a professional Quidditch match, which like uh, I feel like the audience doesn't know at this point until they're at the match. That is, that Quidditch is a professional sport. Right. Like, yeah, it it just like it just seems like. Uh, and not that there's not professional lacrosse teams, but it just seemed like something you play at prep school. 
like liked one of those games and it it didn't seem like it would have such a huge following as it does because like right right you get to this event and there's like there's thousands tens of thousands of yeah it's there. like the world cup for yeah. for soccer for sure <laughs> it's called the quidditch cup even and it was the irish versus bulgaria right yeah yep and that's how we get introduced to the character victor crumb played by uh stanislav <laughs> yunevsky did a good job he did a good job i mean it was i i mean for what the role was portrayed as in the in the movie he did exactly what he needed to do he just needed to be this big jock type character very impressive physically and as a wizard as well victor crumb makes no sense to me though because he's on this professional quidditch team yeah playing this professional level sport for wizards with which is you know i've there are 18-year-old baseball players in, you know, in the MLB. Right. There's young athletes who make it to the professionals all the time. I get that. But it just feels like he is not a student at any school. And yet later right. on, he becomes one of the student champions for the, the Triwizard right. Tournament at school. Yeah, I would say that it's definitely an unusual happenstance. But also, maybe it is more common for the bulgarian wizard society to uplift their uh younger high potential wizards into situations like that i guess he could also just be like incredibly dumb and like been constantly held back in school (laughs) (laughs) he does seem quite a bit older than the other students which makes it weird when it gets to the ballroom scene he's and he's with uh with emma and i kind of I always kind of imagined this scene, and it might just be in a different movie where she's crying about something that Victor did, but that that is not in this movie. No, there's a scene of her crying because Ron was an asshole. Yeah, because Ron was an asshole, yes. That happens. Young love. Oh, how it blossoms so in this movie. It's so beautiful. So slowly. (laughs) So slowly. They won't kiss until movie six, damn it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, well, they, go to the, they go to the Quidditch match, which is where you start to see that a lot of this movie is going to be very rushed, very condensed, and just kind of sad. Because again, overall, I was more impressed and enjoyed this film more as an adult coming out of it. I was like, you know what? I actually, there's a competent movie here and I liked it. Yeah. But here's here's one of the big things that I hate about it, and it's the things that they condense, the things they decide are not necessary to make the overall story, like the tri or the Quidditch Cup. So much build up to the event. You get all the excitement, you get some good time with the Weasleys, you get everything you need for what the story is. You do not watch the 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 the, the match at all. It's not there. There's no, no match present. No. It, you, you get the introduction of Victor Crumb. You get the you get a lot of chanting, and then like Cornelius Fudge right. is like, "Let the game begin!" And then that's it. And then Cut they're back the in the scene. tent celebrating. Yep. And it's just it's sad. It's so sad. It's just like, oh, that's one of those throwaway scenes that you're right. It's not needed. But damn it, I wanted it. I wanted some Quidditch yeah. action, <laughs> especially yeah. from professionals. We could we could have got to see what it looks like, like. You know the the high right. the heavy hitters and everything, all the high action. 
Yeah, that could have been pretty cool. And you know what? It's really our only taste of Quidditch in this entire movie. And it's such a big part of the other movies that it is kind of sad. And you also get the removal of characters in this scene. There's many characters removed. Uh, For one, each team at the beginning of the match has this big display. The Irish come out with a bunch of leprechauns who, you know, they drop fake gold everywhere and it's a lot of fun. This is all in the books, of course, not in the movie. And in, and the Bulgarians have these individuals called Vila. V-E-E-L-A. Vila. And they're very beautiful women who, whenever they dance or whenever they sing, they just, like, enrapture men. Men are just so weak-minded that they can't, you know, f- not focus on their beauty. Yeah. And and that comes into play in the books because the Bobaton, uh, Bobaton Academy when when they when the triwizard tournament's happening later on in the movie right the bobatin champion is half vila and she uses that occasionally throughout the book as i mean she doesn't intend to use it it's just part of the part of the big emotional fight between ron and hermione throughout this movie is ron is very weak-minded towards vila right he's very attracted to them and like you know he falls under their spell so easily and so, you know, Hermione's mad at Ron because Ron's attracted to this other lady. Ron's mad at Hermione because she's flirting with Victor Crumb. <laughs> and it's just, it, it just builds the tension that's going to happen later on in the books, which, again, the movie doesn't need it. That's fine. I get it. Another character yeah. that's missing that's not needed is Winky, who is a half-elf. Uh, she's the half-elf of Barty Crouch, Barty Crouch Sr. Again, not needed character. Uh, the book uses her pretty heavily for the story but the movie realizes that all the elements that she is can be dumped off on wizards because fuck house elves because that's all you know wizarding society ever thinks about with yeah i know then that's sad because like there uh i've always heard that there's like some pretty good stuff with the house elves like i said i've not read all the books but dobby was such a big pivotal character you think they would still want that element at least reference to yeah yeah and and he's like winky is one of the kind of the type of house elf that is just heartbroken when she is not a servant anymore which is a storyline in the book she gets you know fired from barty crouch for reasons that are just gonna be too long to go into today sure <laughs> actually we'll, we'll go into it when they happen in the story later on but yeah she gets fired and and uh dobby becomes like the only person the only house elf that's trying to help her right i think i think it's this book where dobby and winky both get hired by the hogwarts house elf staff to become caretakers at the at the school oh also hermione when she discovers that all these house elves are working for free and are basically slaves this is the book where she starts her movement to try to free house elves which is not at right. all existent in the movies i don't believe no i don't think it is at all it might happen in the fifth movie and i might just be completely remembering things wrong but i don't believe it does but yeah i rambled a long time but that's uh they go to you know they go right back to the tent and they start celebrating after the yeah. world cup that we don't get to see uh, and we don't when, get to see and then the bad shit happens yeah that's when shit goes down <laughs> that's yeah. when, in the in the movie that's when harry gets knocked on the back of the head and miraculously doesn't get trampled by stampeding right people right. in terror yeah death eaters show up and they are the old followers of voldemort 
apparently becoming active again and it's really scary for the ministry yeah and you know they shoot up that green skull and snake insignia in the sky that's very famous for this movie and that they all have tattooed magically tattooed on their arms you know it's kind of scary but it just kind of it just kind of happens and and that's probably you know a a sneak attack kind of thing i'm sure that kind of was probably a pretty good perspective on it but like lucius malfoy was just so fucking obvious right about it like right before the match he runs into them and says some stupid classist bullshit because he's an asshole and then he says enjoy the match potter why you can and he has his like his snake king like its fangs stuck in harry's uh jersey sleeve and my wife is like i'm pretty sure you can't just like grab people with your cane lucius i don't care how powerful you are (laughs) he's a very prominent white male figure in the political world for the for wizards yeah he he just has that power he can just grab the most famous wizard in the world and with his snake cane what a fucking ass it's so weird because he has that line where he says that and it's very menacing and you're like okay some shit's gonna come down but in the books, I'm fairly certain that the Death Eaters doing what they did by attacking, uh, you know, by just going crazy and, you know, shooting up the Voldemort's insignia in the sky and all that kind of, you know, scaring people. In the books, I think it was just done because they were drunk, just because, you know, the Quidditch Cup happened. They're all together in uh-huh. one spot and they were just like, kind of like, let's fucking, let's just let's do some it. shit. Yeah, they were just, they were so riled up that they're just like, let's just wreck some shit. Let's get a squad back together. I don't think there was a plan because, I mean, it it feels like in the movies there was a plan because David Tennant Mm. appears. David Tennant plays Barty Crouch Jr., as we will find out later. He just kind of appears on the scene, shoots the insignia up in the sky, and it just feels like it was part of the plan. Whereas in in the book, Barty Crouch Sr. had snuck his son, Barty Crouch Jr., out of Azkaban. And was keeping him under an imperious curse. Yeah, he had his son basically bewitched for, like, years. Just constantly keeping him under an imperious curse. He had a a store-bought invisibility cloak that he used to hide his son. And he just for fun... Well, not for fun, just out of the kindness of his heart. Which was, you know, his very charcoal heart. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But just out of the kind of his heart... Barty Crouch Sr. just brought his son to the Quidditch World Cup and he had him, you know, befuddled the entire match. But his mind was slipping at this point. Barty Crouch Sr. was very tired. He's stressed. He's, you know, he's overworked. And so while his mind was slipping, Barty Crouch Jr., who was with him in the same box that Harry Potter was in watching the game, watching the match, Barty Crouch Jr. steals Harry's wand and used it then to, to cast the insignia well sorry didn't use it right then but he used the wand later in the night to cast the insignia when he had broken free of his father's curse that really is a totally different story for right uh barty crouch senior and junior uh than what's portrayed in the movie which i don't know like at least in the movie uh well okay so that story right there just makes me feel like barty crouch senior is extremely incompetent in the book (laughs) Well, he, but he, he, he becomes that way 
as he gets older, yeah. once he, you know, he he's in charge of so much that it, you know, there's just so much stress in his life. There's so much tragedy too, because his wife died. I mean, in fact, his okay, and to to break his son out of Azkaban. His wife was dying. Barty Crouch Senior's wife was dying of some disease. I can't remember what, and she knew she was gonna die. So they go to Azkaban, and they just replaced Barty's wife with his son. That was her dying wish. Oh, was she geez. wanted him to free her son from Azkaban, so they just switched places. And you know the Dementors don't know shit. They just they sense people and they sense fear. So as long as fear replaced fear, it didn't matter. Yeah. So he, he that's how he that's how he snuck his son out of Azkaban was basically throwing his wife in there instead, so that she would die in there. Well, and in the movie, it, the only thing that's said is he's the one who sent him him there. Yeah, uh, senior is the one who sent junior to, yeah. to prison. That makes sense given Barty Crouch Senior's position. Yeah, but it seems like he was not as heartless as some were trying to suggest. Yeah, in in this movie interpretation, that's interesting. I would say he was. It's just when he sent when he sentenced his son to prison, it kind of just broke him. I'm sure, yeah. You know, the book the book makes it a big a big deal that he was on the path to becoming minister of magic himself. But after his son was found out as a as an agent of Voldemort, it just kind of ruined his political career. Sure. You know, then the death of his wife and then, you know, having to keep his son befuddled for like the entirety of every day. It just it just weighed on his mind and like Sure. I think when the Triwizard Tournament's happening, he's actually befuddled by his son at that point i think his son had flipped the cards and was just controlling him i don't remember if that's if that's true or not but that's very interesting very interesting definitely that that storyline is completely different right represented completely different uh i can't say that i dislike the storyline in the movie though i thought it was good but i thought there could be more but I think it would have given away the twist of the movie prematurely if they did any more than they did. Yeah, and that you know, let's just go let's just go to Hogwarts because after the Quidditch yeah, Cup happens, there's not really there's not really much that happens between the Quidditch Cup and them on you know, them at Hogwarts. You know, the gang's all there. You learn that there's this huge big tournament between other schools. They're bringing in other magical yeah. schools. Which is cool. Well, it's like every five years that they do the the tournament, the Triwizard Cup. I can't remember. I, that, I think that's what Sarah said. Five years five, when we were yeah, five. That. Five sounds about right because it's like if you're a, if you're a first grader, it's like oh no, I'm not gonna be able to do it. And then like when it comes back, it's like oh good, I can. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, I don't think that they're I don't think they're gonna be doing it anymore because the reason yeah, they had stopped. Yeah, they had stopped doing this big tournament for so long. Because there were too many deaths. And so they brought it back on the caveat that, hey, it's got to be basically impossible for nobody to die. Ha! Yeah. <laughs> it's Harry Potter, <sighs> motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If they say some people used to die in this tournament, then somebody's going to die in the tournament. That's, yeah. I mean, it's kind of a, it's almost Chekhov's gun. It's, you know, it's just foreshadowing. It, that's what it is. And so, yeah, somebody dies. Somebody Boo. dies. Oh no! But who? So in that case, let's just let's jump into our 
are who our champions are yeah they they set an age limit you have to be 17 or older to be able to compete and they choose one champion from each school i do want to talk about their entrance though so when these two schools are introduced it's pretty great so first they introduce uh the women's school and they they do like these these charms and stuff as they're walking in and it's like ah, ah, and all the all the schoolboys are like oh wow and the because they're part vila that is completely omitted from the film so i did not know but anyhow and and you can see all the hogwarts girls going like what what the hell guys right fucking boys they're they're led by this half giant woman madame olympe maxime played by francis de la tour and there's this fun little love story between her and haggard that i enjoy yeah then you get the the big buff boy school come in led by igor karkaroff pedrag plaguelack i'm sorry <laughs> you're i i totally fucked up your name i'm sure i did but uh he he's got this big menacing look and uh, he becomes suspect to Harry and the gang as anybody who has a big menacing look because they they love judging people by the, the yeah. their face. And um, they know evil when they see it, man. They know evil when they see it. So something that does come to light in this movie, more towards the end, is that both this Igor character and Professor Snape in the past were Death Eaters. Yeah. And uh, it is also stated in the film that Snape became a spy for them, and uh, for the and Igor, and Igor uh, gives names names so he doesn't get sent to Azkaban. But I wanted to talk about their entrances because they were so cool. Like the, like I said, the ladies did the charm thing, which you know is kind of like maybe a little over sexualized, but whatever. Yeah. And then the guys come in and they do this this cool thing with staffs, and I was like, "Cool, they got wizard staffs. That's that's cool. That's better than wands. I like that." And, and there's staffs that spark. <laughs> yeah, when they hit the ground, they spark fire, and then like they do a flip, and the staffs are just gone. It's awesome. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. I mean, they, that's honestly why they should have set up the villa earlier, though, is because yeah it does feel overly sexualized because it's like okay yeah they're very feminine or you know they have these charms that they do but yeah. where if, the, if they had set them up as vila earlier on you would be like oh no this is just you know it's their culture that's what it is uh, yeah they're like they're pr- genetically predisposed to make that happen so yeah. that's a little bit different at least a touch different yeah and also just like using that in their dance and using that as like right. an introduction like that it, it's just like them showing their culture it would just make more sense right that right way. right whereas yeah. just as a group of women it's just like yeah this is a little weird <laughs> yeah especially because and you know this really is wouldn't have been excused by incorporating that uh mythos either but there is a lot of uh butt shots of oh, these yeah. women characters in in the film, I I noticed, yeah, uh, especially with like the Gryffindor boys watching them go by, and I'm like, oh Jesus! Well, and you know what? Teenagers. I was a high schooler. I was a high schooler. I you know that definitely was something I did. Yeah, uh, but if you, you know, if you were able to access yeah, like cameras in a high school, and it's just like a bunch of teen heads <laughs> just constantly turning back and forth, just like whoa, <laughs> whoa, whoa. <laughs> 
Oh, oh God. <laughs> oh, I got, I got to run away. <laughs> uh, but, but you mentioned the love story between Madame Maxime and uh, Hagrid. And right. in the books, it, I mean, it's still there in the books. It's a good love. It's a fun little love story. But there's also a moment of tension where Hagrid mentions that she's half giant. And you get the knowledge that giants aren't treated well in the wizarding society. That becomes, yeah. you know, and it becomes very important come the seventh book when, you know, Voldemort is at full power and the wizarding world has to decide, do we want giants to be on our side or do we want to be fighting giants? Because, Jeez. you know, wizards are very racist to, or I guess speciesist, yeah. but you know, they don't, they don't treat giants well at all. And they definitely don't treat half giants well. And Hagrid is a half giant. Dumbledore is not at all. You know, he does not care. <laughs> he's, he's just like, you're a half giant, but you're also no, a, a he's person. People. Yeah. You're, you're, he, a, you're yeah, a good being. Yeah. For Dumbledore, people are people. I, I, I believe that. I, I think he might be a little bit indifferent to, the be just because they don't focus on it anyways in the in the movies he might be indifferent to the whole house health elf thing yeah um well i mean he he pays them all but, too after once hermione brings the issue up he's like sure i'll pay them and i'll have day you know i'll give them vacation days and you know they can they have time off and <laughs> you know he, he yeah. decides he decides but, that he's just like yeah sure i can give them stuff you know they've never asked for it before and i you know i just offer them a good home you're right hermione you're right that doesn't have to be that way I appreciate that. Madame Maxime gets like really mad when Hagrid mentions that she's half giant or implies that she's half giant because, you know, she's very conservative about it. She doesn't want that knowledge. Sure. She's just a very tall woman. And, you know, so, so taller than Hagrid. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's just another fun thing that this movie decided not part of the story, not needed. Let's cut it. And it's not needed. You know, they talk, they touch up on it later a little bit, but I don't know. It just would have set that up nice, which again, I know I've harped on it now for this is going to be the fourth episode I've harped on it in a television world. Could Harry work. Potter could be great. It really could. Yeah, it still could work. Still could work. Yeah. I, yeah. I, people would still watch it. They would, yeah. even though all the movies have been interpreted, adapted, whatever, whatever. <laughs> but now we get our champions. We get, uh, from the Bell Bottom Academy, you get Floor Delacour, who none of the champions are rarely touched upon, other than this is a person. Here's a couple of stereotypical things about them, and then right. you know, and now they're just a contender. I mean, Harry is the only oops, a spoiled Harry as a contender. <gasps> oh! But Harry and the other Hogwarts contender are really the only ones who get any kind of depth. Right. So. Yeah, Cedric Diggory, as you said, does get some depth, but he also doesn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, eh, like there's even this line at the end, which I feel like is pretty famous about this movie, where they finally get to the big impetus of the story, and they're at this graveyard, and Voldemort's just like, kill despair. Yeah. And it, that's it. And Cedric is dead. <laughs> yeah, and it, dude, it was so abrupt in the book too because it, it's literally like that. Like I think in my version, 
kill the spare is at the bottom of one page and then you flip it over and it's like a flash of green light and cedric diggory dies and it's just like fucking what <laughs> so what? so quick <laughs> oh my god like but i'm sure he has i'm sure he is more full-fledged of a character oh yeah in in the book but All of them they are. definitely he does feel like a spare but it's robert pattinson i know yeah and and doing very well twilight. i mean this is before twilight and i i like this better than twilight Swoon. Uh, and there's just so much more that he's done since then too so i right. i just don't want to to besmirch his his well, his uh career he's batman with, he is well i suppose he currently is being batman they wrapped yeah oh okay he will we will see his batman soonish oh yeah but here at cedric it's just kind of funny he's he's like supposed to be this very popular kid that we are we have not <laughs> met at no, all we don't know yeah he yeah. was in the third book i i could I, I i figured she probably would have set him up earlier than this but yeah. they didn't focus on him in the movies yeah and i think I, I think I might recall that from reading it, but like I said, I only read it once, and I read it before the third movie even came out, so yeah, yeah he <laughs> I was forever ago. Yeah, he was the seeker on the Hufflepuff team in the third, in the third book, because there's that, there's that huge match between uh, Gryffindor and Hufflepuff when the Dementors come in, and right, he's, right. The, he's the other seeker in that scene, so they, they, she sets okay. him up slightly well. I mean, like, okay. you at least know the name yeah. when you get to it in the fourth book. Whereas in the yeah. fourth movie, you're just like, who's this fuck? I'm sure all the Seekers are, like, the one of the most uh, popular people in their house. Yeah. I almost I wanted to call them the class, and I'm like, no, no, that's not it. House. <laughs> we kind of had that. Like, not not in our building, at in our undergrad building. But in some of the underground buildings, they had different quad houses. Oh, yeah. Do you, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying not to give names because, you know, we don't know, want them to know where we are. But, like, I remember this one particular building. There really did seem to be a rivalry between the different houses of that quad building. And, and <laughs> at our place, we were like, it's just Tower A and Tower B. And we hang, <laughs> we hang out with each other. <laughs> oh, no, damn it. It's more than that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh man yeah it, it's really weird because like because there are two hogwarts champions and i don't know if we mentioned victor crumb obviously was the bulgarian champion <laughs> yeah yeah he's the yeah, only he's the only one he given any kind of depth i mean it's the same with the the bow batten academy floor is the only one at all who gets like a speaking line maybe one other character says something she's worried about her sister that's it yeah <laughs> because of some mysterious issue harry's name is also drawn as a champion and you get two hogwarts champions and it's just like well that's totally unfair and in the books you get a lot of you know that that weird political world where half the school is like yeah harry and the other half is like yeah cedric because fuck harry you know you know that yeah what a cheater yeah the slytherins don't give a damn about anybody but they're like fuck harry potter so we're gonna (laughs) cedric diggory even we think he's just a stoner asshole And that in that scene though the uh, the choosing of the champions or just the introduction of the Triwizard Tournament, rather, uh, you do get to meet two new characters. You get Barty Crouch Senior, who's played by Roger Lloyd Peck, who was also in Doctor Who. He is a Cybermaster. Yeah. He's a controller of the Cybermen. Right, right. Which 
obviously, if I didn't say it up front, David Tennant is also Doctor Who. If you don't know, he's a he's one of the doctors himself. So you got two yeah. new Doctor Who characters, including uh, Jeff Rule, who plays uh, Amos Diggory, Cedric Diggory's dad. Uh, he's in the he's in the offshoot TV show Sarah Jane Adventures. So, uh, ah. fun fact. And if I haven't mentioned it, I, I wrote this note down because I don't know if I've said it before. Warwick Davis is also in the Doctor Who world. He has an episode, a recent episode with Clara Oswald, a character. So there we go. There's my there's my Doctor <laughs> Who corner out of the way. But you, but you're you're introduced to Barty Crouch Senior, and also Mad Eye Moody, the new Mad defense Eye against the dark Moody. arts teacher, played by Brendan Gleeson, the father of Domhnall Gleeson. <laughs> that was my fun huh. fact. I, I was gonna, I was gonna tell you at the beginning before we started recording. I was like, "Did you know this fact that I just discovered?" I could have. I feel like that's something I could have figured out, but right? I did not know. Like, it feels like it should have been obvious. Yeah, Donald Gleason is just like occupying cinema for the past like three or four years. He's just a, a side character in everything. Yeah, yeah, uh, including uh, the, the new Star Wars movies, if you haven't seen <laughs> yeah. them. He's, he's part of the First Order. One, one of the main characters of the First Order, I'll say. But yeah, now I kind of really want a movie with the two of them right. playing father and son, which may have happened. I don't know. I don't know the entirety of their career. Uh, <laughs> but yes, as Alistair Mad-Eye Moody, Brendan Gleeson is awesome. Always oh, phenomenal. I love one thing that I noticed watching it this time that I really loved about his performance is, again, big spoiler. So if you really just don't want to know something, skip forward. He's not only playing Mad Eye Moody, he's playing Barty Crouch Jr., Polyjuice potioned into yeah. Mad Eye Moody. And there's hints yeah, and of that. And that's why I said david tent's main character <laughs> yeah, he really he really is they do he does such a good job of emulating yeah david Tennant's performance it's yeah, so and crazy I, and i've never realized that any of the other times i've watched this until i watched it this time i'm like did he just lick his lips and i was like that's weird and i was like oh that's right that's what like yeah. Barney crouch jr has that tick yeah. where he's constantly licking because, you know, David Tennant likes to lick things, and I love it. Yeah, it's so weird, but I love it, too. And uh, <laughs> there's this little snippet even when Moody... We'll say this is the skip-ahead point. You're safe now, if you're listening. You're safe. <laughs> uh, Moody does lick his lips, and Crom does get a, a weird look. Yeah. And that's Crouch. that's some foreshadowing. Crouch. Yeah, what did I say? Crom. Oh, Crom, fuck. yeah. Fuck. Fuck all these names. <laughs> right. she, didn't, she didn't think at all about dyslexic people loving her books. <laughs> yeah, Barty Crouch is just like, whoa, that was my son's tick. And like, again, in the books, Barty Crouch is befuddled. He, you know. Yeah. That's how Bart, you know, Barty Crouch. It does kind of seem that way. Yeah. In the movie. I, I feel like the actor took that interpretation into the film. I think so. But at the same time, I think he is aware of what's going on because when that when that scene happened it it, it shocked him but no i, I definitely love brendan gleason as mad eye moody because he is so yeah fucking funny yeah i wish that i know that they had to do what she wrote what yeah i guess we'll just say she um and <laughs> but i wish that they would have given uh moody like give yeah. actually give him a chance to teach yeah but whatever (laughs) 
Yeah, it makes me wonder. I don't think he even accepted the teaching position. I'm not sure. Oh, you maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe. But it could have been the you know his imposter who had, who had accepted it, and so that maybe that's why he when he woke up, Dumbledore's like, "Do you want to teach?" And he's like, "No, no. Why would I do that? <laughs> like, that should have been your first fucking clue that you got the wrong guy." <laughs> yeah, it did actually seem. I did kind of get the hint that Dumbledore was kind of surprised that he accepted um, yeah. the position. There is some really good foreshadowing towards it in the film that I I didn't pick up when I first watched the movie. And I, I think that's one of the main reasons that when I rewatched it, I did feel like it was a better flick than what yeah. I remember. Wholehearted agreement there. Yeah, after after we're introduced to that, things start moving along we get the first event yeah some challenges yeah you get your challenges you got three challenges for the triwizard tournament and the first one is dragons you got to steal an egg from a dragon and they, they they cut out the charlie weasley bit in the books there's a charlie weasley bit where he's the one who tells harry they about the dragons mentioned. well actually hagrid hagrid leads him through the forest to charlie weasley and Charlie Weasley's uh. just talking. I don't think Charlie knows Harry's there. But, you know, Charlie Weasley, cut again. He was cut from the first movie. Now he's cut from the fourth movie because fuck Charlie Weasley, I guess. We'll get to him <laughs> later in the series and like, movie seven. And he, he's underused there, too. He's not... Yeah. No, no not big really rule for, no for Charlie. Sorry, Charlie. Too many Weasleys in this film. Yeah, there's too many fucking Weasleys. Like rabbits. Oh my but, god! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe I'll edit that. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> the dragon scene rushes by; it flies by, if you will. It does, and it's really <laughs> sad because you could you could literally just show all of the champions performing against this dragon, and it'd be really fun and entertaining to see how they all handled it. No, we get right. a really stupid montage while Harry's in the waiting room. Just being like, oh, God, I gotta face a dragon. Oh, Jesus, what oh. am I gonna do? Oh, shit, man. It's so stupid. I hate it. It's just, in my opinion, that's like a bad directing. It was just a very wasted opportunity to not show all of the action. Yeah, and you know, fuck, dude. It's a it's a high, I don't know if you would honestly consider this high fantasy or not. I don't know. The, the nerds have have their categories and stuff but anyways it's a fantasy world show us the fucking dragons yeah it's so stupid i mean we got tiny little miniatures of them wasn't that cool (laughs) that was though i did like that i would would like that i would like to have a tiny little miniature wizard running around but i don't want to go out and buy one so it's i don't know (laughs) but oh also like what do you got to feed that thing Right. Also, with this first tournament, we get the uh, the realization that Argus Filch is now just the comedic effect. He is no longer going to be yeah. a character. He is just going to be something to laugh at, because that's what all three of these events they just use yeah. Argus Filch for comedy, and he's great at it. It is hilarious. Yeah, he is good at it. 
that first bit is in the uh in the banquet at a hall if i recall and he's like got he's got his tails on but he, oh yeah like they're, they're all raggedy and then he just he's like holding like his tie down and like running through the banquet hall and he whispers into <laughs> dumbledore's ear and then he like waddle runs out again and i don't even remember what he told him because i was he is th- his run yeah. was hilarious i think he's just telling him that the other schools are there you know, it's just like they. Oh out. yeah, yeah, something. something yeah, like you don't that. you don't hear what he says, but he whispers that, and then Dumbledore's like, "Oh, okay, go on, <laughs> go away." Yeah, <laughs> on the count of three. Yeah, that's how he's used <laughs> in the tournament. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They always they always get ready to shoot the cannon. He shoots too early. Ha ha. Premature ejaculation for the poor squib. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I don't know if we ever like explained what that term means because I oh, don't feel squib. like they go into it in the film either. What yeah. what is a squib? Uh, a squib is like a it, it's almost like a mudblood where it's like you know a mudblood is a wizarding person born to muggle parents. A squib is a muggle born to wizarding parents. So it's I mean he he's still a wizard in a way he just has no connection to magic he he has no control over anything right. he can't cast anything. So it's But he's a part of the culture, like Yeah. It's not like he can blink his eyes and the, the magical world well, will be gone. I mean they could have they could have just erased his memory, but there are people who can't. Yeah, about but that'd him. be cruel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if your parents like, I don't want to squib in my family, fuck. Just get rid of this kid. <laughs> Jeez. I could I mean definitely see some Slytherin folk doing that, but sure. Oh yeah, I bet it I bet it's happened in, in the world yeah. of Harry Potter. It's sad. Well to think that was about. sad. yeah you get the first tournament harry fights a dragon uh he uses his broom because that's what harry's good at and it's a very exciting scene it's it's so exciting that i wish we had three others just like it where we could have watched (laughs) other champions do it yeah they and you know they uh, they obviously all succeed at least they say so because they needed the treasure that that was the 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 MacGuffin of the challenge mm-hmm. to as a clue for the next challenge. And yeah. does the ball happen before the next challenge or is the ball in between the, the second and third? I want to say it's in between the second and third. I'm not sure though. Don't quote okay. me on that. Okay. Well, they do have some time in between the first challenge and the second to uh, figure out this clue. Actually, it's and, before because that's why Hermione is crumbs uh, his prize for the second challenge. That's right. You're right yeah. because she take he. So uh, what he's referring to is that there's this ball. Everybody's supposed to ask and take a date and whatever. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. fucking prom. It's wizard prom. Yeah. And uh, the Yule ball. Victor Crom asks Hermione to wizard prom, and they have a good time until ronald who's not having a good time with their date not even paying attention to their date yeah harry's not paying attention to his date either because something we didn't mention is that he's interested in cho chang she actually goes with cedric so they're they're both kind of watching the people who they would have preferred to go with but you know ron fucked up and didn't ask hermione until last minute and also asked her in the most piss poor way that you could imagine. Hey, Hermione, you're a girl. You're a girl. <laughs> Dude, honestly, though, like, you get it from his brothers because, like, Fred's way of asking a girl out to the prom is like, Ron's like, 
well, who'd you invite, Fred? And Fred's like, well, I haven't invited anybody. And he throws like a peanut or something at yeah. it, like Angelica yeah. Johnson. She's like, like what the, the fuck? And he's like, you want to dance with me? And she's like, yeah, sure, I guess. And it's just like, yep, that's yeah. Ron's examples right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But see, though, like, both Fred and George are so much more outgoing, maybe. Like, yeah. I feel like, like, Ron's not, like, introverted by any means. But uh, his his brothers are definitely super outgoing in the class clowns. Yeah, and I I could see just by sheer popularity that the uh, the other other classmate that he invited would have been like, yeah, sure, I could see myself dancing with you. That'd be fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. But Ron doesn't really, you know, click with most people. I feel no. like, like <laughs> uh, except for the Gryffindor boys. Like the Gryffindor boys love their Ron, yeah. but. He's very, he's a very male, male stereotype. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love him. Yeah. Ronnie the bear. Ronnie the bear. <laughs> such a beautiful man. But yeah, I guess that, that, you know, the, the ball happens. A lot of tension happens. Everybody's, uh, everybody's at, at each other's, you know, faces ready to, ready to scratch each other out. They're all <sighs> mad at each other. Ron's mad at Hermione, even though before that Ron was mad at Harry which i like yeah, that um, when harry gets chosen as champion ron gets mad at him because and they don't really go too well into it in the movie i don't think in the movie he just seems like a uh a, a, a jealous a jealous boyfriend really um yeah because like he didn't he didn't tell him and, yeah. and, and i think that's really portraying their wizard hormones pretty well because they're yeah. at that age but in the in the book it's so much more enjoyable in, in my opinion it makes more sense for the characters because ron is such a normal person he's the youngest of seven boys you know it's right or maybe six boys and a girl he's not you know younger than jenny but anyways he, he's very young and right. you know he, he's got so much to live up to that harry like all this stuff just you know all these this prominent stuff just keeps happening to harry and he's always able to you know be the champion of the school and he's the, you know the youngest sneaker ever and it's just like it right. just got to a boiling point in book four where it's just like fucking everything happens to Harry and poor Ron mm-hmm. is always just left at the wayside as the sidekick. And it's it's really nice. Right. But as you said, the movie kind of just treats it like a, oh, I'm so tired of my boyfriend doing everything. Yeah. Jeez. I got the hiccups. <laughs> 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 but anyways, uh, uh, the, the old ball happens. We have We have more tension. And that leads us to the second, the second challenge, which is um, an underwater swim quest to find, you know, I guess your true love, your prize. For Harry, that's Ron. Yeah. <laughs> For Crumb, that's uh, that's Hermione. <laughs> and then who cares yeah. about the other two? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's like slightly important because so Ron almost dies because he decides to also save floor's sister because she was not able to finish the challenge and for that reason they gave him second place in the challenge even though he came in (laughs) for for moral fiber (laughs) for moral fiber outstanding moral fiber (laughs) yeah uh and i like that and and it also it also all the other champions respect him for it 
Yeah. And uh, at, before that, in the first challenge, there I feel like there was some animosity. Crumb did get, like, there was this part with Crumb where he shooed away some reporters and stuff. The other ones kind of, I think, all felt that he was cheating. Yeah. Besides maybe Cedric, because said because harry did pass on that information to cedric yeah. and cedric's just a nice guy yeah he's just yeah he, right he's part yeah. of the stoner class or the stoner uh yeah. house like he's got to be a nice guy <laughs> exactly he just he's just Huffle chill puff. bro <laughs> Huffle puff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh so yeah, yeah. So shit, shit happens and we're on to the third one the maze the amazing the maze. maze. The amazing maze that's so fucking rushed and and confusing yeah, and it is. I just don't like Super. it. No. It's really ridiculous. And it's just like, look at all this tension. Look at this excitement that's happening. I'm just like, I don't care. Right. Just get to the, the vine part. the vines like eating them up. That shit was pretty cool. But yeah, the rest of it, like you said, it's very rushed. It's hard to really concentrate on what's going on. And they do they their their job is to get the cup that's in the middle yeah. of the maze but somebody turned it into a port key <gasps> which we learned about earlier in the movie it just brings you to a different destination and the different destination is a graveyard and the scene unfolds that we talked about cedric dies well i, I guess we should say that only harry and cedric get to the port key they're the only That's ones right. who are transported to that final scene. Very noble moment where they're both like, let's do it together. Let's win yeah. together. Yeah. And it's like, Floor was kidnapped by those vines that you talked about. She was just dragged away. And Victor, it's not explained in the movie, Victor's been befuddled by Barty Crouch Jr. You know, he's... Yeah. The movie is just like, sometimes people, when they're in the maze, they aren't themselves anymore. Right. And it's just like, yeah. it's just a stupid throwaway line. It's like, okay, that's dumb. But what happens in the book is Barty Crouch Jr. basically uh, uses the Imperius curse on uh, Victor Crumb and uses him to try to take out Floor and Cedric so that Harry will win, that Harry will be the one that gets the, the cup. But Harry being noble, him and Cedric make it. So, if you want to look at it this way, Cedric died, and it was Harry's fault. Yeah, 100%. His hubris. Though, perhaps, he would not have escaped with his life if Cedric wasn't there. And I think we'll leave that part for the viewer, what exactly happens there. I think we can say, because we said we're not going to worry about spoilers, that this is the moment where voldemort regains his his power voldemort rises yeah harry just barely escapes i do want to say that that fight was awesome i hate it was awesome i hate what the series is about to become because it it becomes just flashy effects and that's all magic is is a a wish and a whoosh and a, a beautiful light effect through the air but that final fight scene with i will say with harry and voldemort there's this moment where right, right. you know their 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 wands are just like connected by this beam and that beam is like dripping and it's really it looks so cool it still looks fun to right me. and just, they make like a stupid like make like a bubble around them too yeah like opposite bubbles <laughs> that are trying to force each other together it's just this it's, stupid it's cgi good. effect that i love it's you know it's just flashy yeah. craziness that it doesn't really work for the rest of the franchise in my opinion 
But here it was just so epic. And I'm like, yes, right. <laughs> I like it. So with that, should we give closing statements on this movie? Yeah, go ahead. All right. I would say that, uh, especially upon the rewatch, this is a full face movie. Like it, it, it's very competent. It does some pr- pretty interesting things. Sometimes it feels a little bit rushed. I think it could have uh, used another half an hour for sure. And I know there's a lot missing from the books. I think, like the Traveler said, a a TV series might work better for this segment of the story, especially. But it's a lot of fun. A lot more action, I would say, than the other uh, movies. Given that the other movies have a lot more to do with the classroom stuff. But it is also missing some of that magic that the the first three films have, like this at least the study of the magic. So yeah, full faced. I I do actually recommend it, especially if you were like us and you were disappointed when you first watched it. You you might you know second watch might be more enjoyable. Like I said, Gleason's interpretation of both his characters, I'll say, was great. Uh, so that that alone made it worth it for me. I agree. Uh, I mean, Gleason is just wonderful to watch and definitely made it worth it. And I don't know, it's, it, even though everything's condensed and rushed, like you said, like I, I'm in a total agreement on all that regard because it's just, I don't know, this is one of my favorite books and there's so much missing from mm-hmm. it in the movie. And I don't want to blame Mike Newell's direction because I think he did a great job. He He really did just look at the story and take everything that was needed to tell the essential story and left right. everything else out. And when you're just a one-time director on something like that, it makes sense. Like I don't want to I don't want to harass him, you know. He's just like he did what he right, had to yeah. for his story, for his part of the tale. And what he told, it is entertaining. It is a very fun teenage film. I don't know. I I mean I I still only give it two and a half stars just because I'm so sure. loyal to the book that it's, you know, it's sad that so much is missing. But it is wildly more entertaining than I remembered it being as a kid, and so I watch it again when I, you know, yeah, obviously just keep it recommended. You know, I recommend the whole series, and you have to watch this one to watch the others. So, (laughs) and I was honestly surprised because I I don't I don't recall ever rewatching it in between the theaters and here. So, like I said, if it's been a long time for you and you hated it, give it another chance. I think you'll be surprised. I've been the Green Traveler. And I've been the Facelessly Owned. We're Midwest Wizards now. No okay. <laughs> Part oh, of that yeah. American school. I can't remember what it's called. Is there really an American school? Yeah, she came out with a I North American it. Wizarding Academy, I think. Or a United States one specifically. I can't remember. I mean, we, we, did the like... whole, we all did the test that one time. I just can't remember the classes or the houses or anything. Right, People right. All right. the true fans are going to be like, oh! You're so stupid. What the you, don't, hell? you don't know the American school, you fuck? Call yourself a fan? <laughs> this is a movie review show. <laughs> uh, with that, safe travels and good night. Green and Faceless on the Couch is a proud production of Fiction Works 19. If you like the show, Please show your support by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Like, follow, subscribe, wherever you might listen. We also now have a Patreon account. If you feel so inclined to support us in a financial manner, please become a patron by visiting 
patreon.com slash green and faceless. You can also find more information about us on our Facebook account or on the FictionWorks19 Instagram account. Thank you so much for listening.